Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. This is episode 35 for November of 2020. And in case you do not know about Mario's Minute, this is a monthly podcast I like to do here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as on pretty much any major podcasting platform. Fire up your favorite platform or app, look up Mario's Minute on there, and you should be able to listen to this in, well, a actual podcast form, since this is what this is set up as, although most of the viewership and listening is happening on YouTube. Now, this is really just a podcast where I come on here and I talk about whatever the hell I want to. I try and rotate it out every other month, so on some months I'll be solo, and some months I'll have a guest. I actually do have a guest lined up. Good news, I have a guest lined up, uh, but they will be for next month. Uh, they were actually someone I was thinking of getting on for a minute here, and funny with the title, I guess, but uh, they were someone I was really thinking of getting on, and I reached out to them. They seemed all down for it, and thankfully that they understood on here, but I was like, hey, I would love to have you on. This month, though, is a solo month. Uh, if you can defer for a month, I'd love to have you on the December episode. So uh, him, like, him and I should be good to go on that. I think we got it all scheduled. We're all good, so expect a guest next month. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, again, this month we're just going to be really talking about whatever the hell we want to on here, just like we always do. And let's get right into that, actually. You know, that's what we're going to do here. So we're going to be talking about the new console launch. Ninth generation of consoles is finally upon us. We've been speculating about this. We've been ranting a little bit. Actually, not even really ranting. We've kind of just been airing out and maybe venting a little bit of things. I don't know, kind of side tangent on there, but I kind of realized a few months ago, I don't really rant anymore. I just don't have, I don't care to put energy into getting angry over something little. Like, it's very, very, very rare I get angry at this point nowadays. But if there's something dumb that happens with a console or a video game or something else, I might get really annoyed. I might get peeved. Uh, but I, I, I can't get to that angry point anymore. I just don't want to put that energy into that. I don't know. Uh, either way, either way, we're, we're not talking about ranting specifically here. Some people might have, maybe I did a little bit, but we've been talking about the ninth generation of consoles, and they are finally here with the Xbox Series S, the Xbox Series X, the PlayStation 5 All Digital Edition, and of course the disc-based PlayStation 5. So, right off the bat here, I don't own any of these consoles. Uh, for the Xbox systems, let's, let's go ahead and talk about those first. I've really just been watching some coverage on there, and I will say a huge, huge shout out to Modern Vintage Gamer. Uh, not only, you know, I'm proud to see that he actually got a console from Microsoft, he chose to get the Xbox Series X, because in his words, it seemed to be more interesting, to, or uh, Series S, excuse me, he se seemed to think that the Series S seemed to be a more interesting console to look at than the Series X, uh, and I I'm sure he has a Series X as well, too. But on that, seeing his videos over, like, his review, his first look, the teardown of the Series X, it actually had me a lot more interested in the Xbox lineup of things. Uh, I did, I guess, talk with publicly on here. I did talk with Adam Korlick, and I did watch his uh, Xbox Series X review, uh, and that, that was interesting as well, too, in its own right. I, I'll get to that, but uh, no, on there... I've been more impressed with the Series S. I was kind of just sweeping it under the rug, but really seeing MVG's 
uh, content on there, I was like, you know, there's actually something to the system. This is really cool. It's a lot cooler, a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. I'm sure that was his idea as well, too. Uh, however, not cool enough for me to go out and run out and get one right now. Uh, one thing I did notice, though, I've seen teardowns of both these systems, and it's not fully retired at this point, but it's been more upgraded. But point is, uh, this is now the first time in 15 years. 15 years. That is a long time. This is the first time in 15 years a Microsoft's console has come out not using the X clamp. For anyone here who has ever taken apart an Xbox 360, you know what I'm talking about. You open up the 360, you get to the chassis there, you take out all the T10 and T8 screws, and then you remove the motherboard carefully, and you flip it over, and if you're not prepared, oh my god, you're going to see either one or two disgusting metal X's. And I say that because they're not bad, but the first few times you're taking these systems apart, you don't know what you're getting into when you're taking those things off. And uh, they're kind of like a Pandora's box getting them off and then getting them back on could be even harder. And a lot of people have damaged their systems. Or even worse, you might get a hold of an Xbox 360 that has some bolts or some screws, some big screws right there, which that is, you know, that's kind of a write off at that point. That's a system that might have been destroyed. Anyways, that's a whole other topic there. Uh, I did notice on the teardowns something really interesting. The Xbox Series S still retains the X clamp on there for the APU. However, the Series X, for the first time, has retired the X clamp in, in the form of, you know, the Super X clamp, so to speak. Uh, maybe we could call this the Series X clamp in a way, but if you look at a teardown of one of those, right, you got, you know, this this small form factor set up in there, you got this giant heat sink, and then when you flip the motherboard over, it's not the X clamp like it was before. It's this giant, this big giant metal X that is suspending, you know, the heat sink and clamping it down all nicely to the APU and keeping everything, you know, nice and cool there. It's still doing the same job, except you're not dealing with the traditional X clamp anymore. So the good news is if you're taking apart the Series X, uh, you don't have to mess around with the X clamp. You don't have to go out and buy an X clamp tool, which I do recommend for all the systems prior and even the Series S at this point. Uh, but it's just four screws all around. I found that to be really interesting. Uh, and, and I think they just couldn't harness the same power that they could with the X clamp on the Series X. So they just had to go with something completely, not different, but just much bigger on there. But that's just something I found really interesting in terms of like physical design. I know, yeah, there's just so much other stuff I could talk about, like with the SSDs and all that stuff. But like, look, I that's what I'm interested in. Okay, I saw that. That I guess maybe that speaks to me as well too. Maybe where my interests are, or maybe my lack of interest in other things. Where I'm just like, oh, okay, cool, 4K Blu-ray, 8K output, like uh, proprietary SSD, or like there's a new type of SSD on there. I know the the form factor is what's out there, but like these specific SSDs that are being used are something quite new. Um, just really stuff that you really can't even attain properly on the market is what I mean to say. Uh, but either way, I, I thought that little thing was interesting there. Uh, so they haven't fully phased it out, and I don't know if they're ever going to, but that's just one interesting thing to, to point out there. For the first time in 15 years, the X clamp is not on an Xbox console. It was on every single iteration of the Xbox 360. It was on every single iteration of the Xbox One, and it's on the Series S, but not the Series X. Um, so, I don't know, just something interesting to point out there. I was saying, 
that, you know, I kind of shout out Adam Korlick on here. Something that was I was saying was interesting in his own right there. Uh, he did a review of the Series X, and I was actually in the premiere when he was talking about it. And at one point, he did kind of flub on this where he said, and this was quite telling, not not to him, but just to the ecosystem in general. But at one point, he there was a bit of a flub where he went from the, because he I believe he went from the Xbox One to the Xbox One S to the Xbox One X to the Xbox Series X. And near the end of his video, he says, uh, you know what, that, that horrible, big, bad 24-hour DRM that we were going to get on the Xbox One in 2013 and that we all raged against it and Microsoft reversed it, well, guess what? They put it back into the Series X and it's heartbreaking and you have to be online all the time and you cannot play any games offline. They put that DRM in. It's awful. I hate this. If I knew about this prior, I probably wouldn't have picked it up. So I was in the comments and I was like, that doesn't sound right. Um, hey, did you set your console as the home console? And he didn't check at the time. So we had interacted on Twitter as well, too, I believe. But because I like I took his video and I just kind of blasted on my Twitter and I was like, hey, Adam is saying that he can't play any of his games offline on his Series X. And that doesn't sound right. Um, can someone else check and see, like, is there a setting? Like, does this need to be set as your home console? And I know there's a, a few steps you have to go with on there. Essentially, from what I understand, again, I've just seen videos kind of covering it, and I've read a few things. I don't own the actual console. I haven't had access to either of these consoles as well, like physical access. Um, however, on there, I believe... In order to play a game, like you, first of all, you, you need to set that system if you're coming from the older system. So if you're going from the One X to the Series X or any of the older Xbox Ones, when you go to the Series X or the Series S, you have to set that new system as your designated home console. And then at that point, any games, from what I understand, you're going to play on there, the first time you boot them up, you need to be connected to Xbox Live on that account. And then that essentially reauthenticates the game to that console as your home console, and then you're able to play willy-nilly just fine. That's what I understand on there, but the point is it still needs to be set as your home console. When I heard that, I started laughing, and I'm just like, you know what? My suspicions are confirmed on here. They are directly confirmed. I'm not talking about, you know, 24-hour DRM and always checking in on there, always watching you. I'm not talking about that. What my suspicions are, and I'm sure if people have been, you know, either following me on social media or listening to this, They've heard me say this a few times. I think that the PS5, and I'm not saying this as a slight to either system, the PS5 is essentially a super-duper PS4 Pro, or a PS4 super-duper Pro. That's what I've been calling it. The Xbox Series X is, to me, the Xbox One X squared. And what I mean on that is there the, seri the Xbox One, the One S, the One X... The Series S and the Series X are all in the same ecosystem at that point. Yes, there is technically a generational gap. You have two console generations in there, but they are all within the same ecosystem. And to elaborate further, what I mean is you can take, we can look at the Sony side. If you sign into your PlayStation account, uh, like on, on, your, on a website or something, and you're looking at your consoles that have been activated, you might see on your account a PlayStation Vita that's been activated. PS3 that's been activated, a PS4 that's been activated, and maybe a PS5, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there because I, I haven't seen it firsthand, but a PS5, that makes sense, a PS5 be activated. 
Now on the Microsoft side, you sign into your account, you look at your activated systems, like your designated home console, you might see an Xbox 360, one Xbox 360 that's been activated, one Xbox One that's been activated. However, that's it. <laughs> like, between Xbox One and Series, they're all grouped together. So but it, let's say you own all five of those consoles, only one of them can be activated as your designated home console. You cannot have a One X and a Series X be activated home consoles for your main account at the same time. You can only choose one of them. And that's why I kind of laughed there because I was like, you know what? Like, it, it's smart. I see what Microsoft's doing. Like, the UI is the same. You're pretty much just getting a super upgraded Xbox One X, which is a super upgraded Xbox One. And that's where they do need to be going on there for both of these systems. Um, however, it just kind of confirmed that to me. I'm like, yep, this is definitely the same ecosystem here. And this has been... Microsoft's message and what they've been trying to push for at least a generation at this point. They want to go games as a service. Their end goal, I'm sure, in the next 10... If we fast forward 10 years, 2030, I'm not going to be surprised if gaming on Windows 10 is just Xbox. You go through Xbox Game Pass. You open up the Xbox app. Xbox is just a software. It's a service at that point. And if you want to get into the Xbox ecosystem, you can buy Xbox-branded hardware which would be, you know, the Series X Square and the Series S Square, whatever the hell they're going to be at that point. But that's definitely where they're aiming to. So really, you're just, you're, you're dealing with PCs at that point. And that's where we've been going to for a long while. But that, that whole ordeal just kind of made me laugh. I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I suspected. All right, cool. Now, when it comes down to the PlayStation 5, that's definitely been interesting to see as well, too. I know last month with uh, Master Turkey, I was talking about the teardown with him on there. And I've been more interested in the PS5 to, to the point where the PS5 is the only system that I've actually tried to get. I've looked at the Series S and the Series X. I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to pass on them for now. Eventually, I'll get one of them. Sure. Uh, but when it comes to the PlayStation 5, I've actively been trying to get one. Uh, not obsessively, but it's more like, hey, if I'm at my computer and someone sends me a link and shout out Mr. Pete1985, typically it's him. He'll send me a link be like, hey, uh, PlayStation 5s are up on Sony's site right now. I'm just like, oh, okay, I have nothing to do here. Like, I'm just kind of you know, sitting at my computer, I'm doing other stuff. I'll click on this link. I'll put it in another tab. Why not? But I haven't been like staying up late or going out of my way because to me, that's been a little bit of a waste of time. Not saying that everybody who's doing that is waste their time. It's just, I know by the time I see one of those links, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it's going to be sold out at this point. So I'm not even going to waste my time. And then of course it typically will happen. Like the next day I'll look online. It's like, oh, I stayed up until 2.45 in the morning waiting in this queue on this website and all the systems are sold out. And I've been waiting there for four hours. I'm like, yeah, that's why that, you know what? I knew that was going to happen. That's why I chose to sleep. <laughs> so the PS5 has been more interesting to see on there. Well, it's also looked like it seemed to have more issues in a way. Um, again, shout out to MVG. I thought he did a really awesome video covering his review and his experiences with the PlayStation 5. I've seen digital foundry footage as well too. And I'm just seeing certain things like, for example, from what I see, you, you cannot play any games. And this is the current day. A lot of this has to be patched in, of course, and it's going to be fixed up. Uh, but right now, any games that you play have to be on the PS5's internal drive. All right cool. Like, you're going to get all the speed benefits, all that fun stuff. However, you don't really get that much usable space in 2020. You get, like, less than 700 gigabytes of actual usable space on there. 
So from what I was seeing, even if you have your games on an external drive, you can't copy them. You have to move them over to the internal. And then when you run out of space on your internal, at the moment, while I'm recording this at the moment, you, you can't move stuff back over to an external. You have to just delete it. So you can download to the internal, you can move stuff to the internal, or maybe even copy it, but you can't you can't move it off of the internal drive. You just have to, the only way to move it off is to delete it. That's how it is. So I really do feel for people who are on those limited bandwidth caps. Like if you're on a connection where you get like 200 gigabytes of download per month, or like 500 gigabytes of download per month, my God, uh, I feel for you because these games are not going to be getting smaller by any means. Um, it's also seemed like as well too, Sony hasn't had it as well down in the backwards compatibility department. I know there's like 10 PS4 games that don't work on the PS5 in total. So like some like no more than 15. One of them, unfortunately, this is really annoying. This isn't really Sony's fault directly, but uh, PT playable teaser the silent hills teaser that was given to us and then taken away and delisted and you cannot re-download it unless you follow unless you go through a proxy server and you follow something like my tutorial that i showed on how to get it if you have an account that has it on there uh that's a whole other thing but that from what we know and from what i had read reviewers who got the playstation 5 early uh, at least one of them got to test this out. They had PT on their PS4. They transferred it to an external. They brought it over to the PS5. They played it on the PS5. It worked beautifully. And they played it one or two times. It worked just fine. And then Sony issued an update. And this was all pre-release. Uh, but they issued an update, which blocked the game from working. And if you... And, and I, it, you know... I, it has to be a it has to be a soft update or something, I guess. Like if they just connected to PSN and it pulled down this you know updated list of games, but now if they try to play the game, it will just say that it does not work. It's not bootable on there. And when this journalist had asked Sony about it, they said that it was a publisher decision to remove the playability on there. Which obviously, I mean, that means Konami came out and said, "Hey, we do not want this game bootable on PS5." So, unfortunately, right now, the only way you could ever play PT on a PS4 is if you have a PS4 and access to an account that has the game downloaded, or you have access to that account and you can re-download the game using a proxy, or if you have a jailbroken PS4 and you go out and pirate the demo. And at that point, it's like, I guess I wouldn't really condemn it. Morally, I wouldn't condemn it is what I should say on there, because... The game never made any money. It was released for free. It was a demo that was put out. You cannot get it any... Like, right now, if I go out and I buy a PS4 and I make a brand new PSN account and I go, go on to PSN, there's no way I can get that game. So, to me, that is like modern-day abandonware, so to speak. And I think stuff like that, morally, I have no issue with it. <laughs> um, but in regards to that, that's, that's more of a Konami-specific thing on there. There's been other comparisons I've seen from Digital Foundries well too, where there's been I believe there was one Assassin's Creed game where the frame rate in several parts was much worse on the PS5 playing on PS5. This PS4 game playing on PS5 than the Xbox One game playing on the Xbox Series X. 
And I know they did a whole lot of technical talk on there. I'm not really going to get into that, but more from an end user perspective on there, stuff like that is a little bit disappointing to see, admittedly, although it still looks like a fantastic console, despite how big it is. Both these consoles are really big, chonky consoles as well, too. Although I think I know where I'm going to put them at this point. I, I, I think I know. I think we're good. <laughs> um i i just have like downstairs like in in my game setup in my game room i have a table on the side of my uh on, on the side of my entertainment center where my tv is sitting and like i have several consoles on top and inside of it already so i'll probably just like move a couple of the older consoles just like retire them and i'm gonna pop the ps5 right there and we should be all good so I think that's going to be my idea for that. Uh, either way on there, that that's kind of my thoughts overall. Maybe not like the thoughts that people are wanting on here. Uh, but again, I, I don't have the hardware. I haven't tried the hardware. Uh, I am trying to get it, at least the PS5. I'm trying to get that. But I'm not trying to break my back trying to pick it up either. Again, it's very much been a thing of, hey, if I can get it, awesome. If not, all good. Um, and I don't want to pay for a scalped version. I refuse to pay for a scalped version. I will buy it from somewhere brand new or maybe even used i don't know but like i'll probably get a brand new one and just pay msrp and be happy with that i'm not really in that much of a rush though like the ps4 for example i kind of on a fluke i picked it up and i don't remember it being this hard to get these systems before but at the same time we weren't dealing with coronavirus we weren't dealing with issues with production and there's more interest on this than ever before so i can see what's going on I guess I will, before we pivot off this, I, I do want to share my story of how I picked up my PS4, because I've never shared it on YouTube, because it seemed so, I, I guess I'll just get into it, I don't know, it, it always seemed like braggadocious to me, but I'm like, no, honestly, this this is what happened, this is what happened, I wasn't trying to do it in like a flexing way, plus at this point, you know what, ninth generation is here, I can tell an eighth generation story. It's fine. So the PS4 ended up releasing, I believe it was November of 2013. You know, it's been seven years at this point. Uh, now, both the Xbox One and the PS4 released. I picked up the Xbox One on launch. I did enjoy it. And that was my preferred system until I got the PS4. Now, I picked up my PS4 in January of 2014. And I remember I ended up, I had visited my parents for a few weeks. And then I came back to my place. I was in an apartment at the time. And I don't know, I was in a really weird mood. Like, not bad, but it's just like, a really we I had a really weird craving for Call of Duty. And I was like, well, I don't really want to buy Call of Duty Ghosts, because it's kind of shitty. Because I played on 360, I tried it a bit. I was like, it's kind of shitty. But I want to see, maybe is it any better on Xbox One? I don't know. But like, eh, but I don't want to pay for it. So I checked Redbox. Redbox didn't have it. Uh, I checked another local rental shop in town. Yeah, we're, we're going back. Seven years ago, you could actually rent stuff. There was a few rental shops still. Uh, and they had no idea what the hell I was talking about. And I'm like, video games, I know you all have them. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't. We, well, you have to come in and see. And I went in, and they didn't have Call of Duty Ghosts. So uh, there was one more rental store on the edge of town, and I went there, and it was a bigger shop. And I went over there. They had, like, two copies of Call of Duty Ghosts on Xbox One, and both of them were checked out. And I'm like, okay, well then, all right uh that's fine you know i guess i just won't spend like five bucks renting this then i was looking over at the game section and i saw this big blue box and it was a ps4 and there was one ps4 behind the cage and i looked at it and it was brand new it was msrp like 399.99 us i probably look like a lion at this point right because i'm sitting there like eight or nine at night 
And I just start pacing in front of this PS4 for like 10 minutes. Because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, cause mind you at the time, uh, I, I was in college as well too. So I didn't have as much, dis- I was comfier than other peers that I knew, but I also didn't have, you know, the disposable income I have now at this point in my adult life. But I was kind of pacing back and forth and I'm like, do I really want to pick up this PS4? Well, if I don't get the PS4 now, I'm going to get the PS4 later. And I definitely do want a PS4. I wanted to get the Xbox One on launch, but I decided not to get the PS4 on launch. But it's not like I'm never going to get one. I do want to get one at one point. And because I have PlayStation Plus, I've already redeemed a few games, so I'm going to at least have the ability to download a few games that I can play for free on there because I've already redeemed them. And at the time, you could not find a PS4. Like, the PS4s jokingly did not exist. You could not find them. So Xbox Ones, you can you could pretty easily find. The Wii U, you could find. The PS4, you could not find at all. So that was another deciding factor. I was like, if I let this PS4 slip by me, Will I, when will be the next time I see a PS4 for sale? I don't know. Well, that's the other thing as well, too, is I was like, all right, seriously, I came in here trying to spend five bucks. Am I seriously going to walk in here with the intention of spending $5 on renting a game and walk out with a damn PS4 spending $400 on new hardware? But I went back and forth, and one of the other deciding factors was I said as well, too, I was like, you know what? This would be really good for my channel as well. Uh, I'm doing the YouTube thing. I have the Xbox One. I've been covering Xbox One footage. I'd like to cover PS4 stuff as well. I'd like to talk about it in an informed manner. I'd like to have upfront experience with both systems. I could talk about the Xbox One. I could talk about the PS4. I can compare and contrast between the both of them. I could handle them fairly on there, one versus the other. I could actually do that. And that was actually, that was a really big push for me as well too. So when I made my final decision, about 10 or 15 minutes later, I went up to the counter, and the guy asked, hey, what can I help you with? I said, yeah, I'd like to pick up that PS4, and he just looked at me and laughed. And he was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't laughing at you, it's just, we just got those two PS4s in, we only had two, and I sold one of them 30 minutes ago, and now I'm selling you the last one. And I was like, wait, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, uh, we couldn't get a hold of them, we actually had to go over, like, across the street to Best Buy, and they had two PS4s, and we had to buy them from there and bring them over here, so, yeah. Um, either way, though, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not gonna bore you with the story, uh, let me get the keys, I'll get the PS4. So, I picked up a PS4, I rented Knack, and Knack was not good. <laughs> I just, it looked good, but it was not a good game. Uh, I was able to trudge through that game just listening to podcasts and watching music, like watching uh, YouTube videos on the side. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's what happened. <laughs> I, I walked in just wanting to rent an Xbox One game, and I walked out renting a PS4 game and buying a PS4. Uh, but I think the games I did play, I played Contrast, I believe, because I had that on PS Plus. I had, uh, what was the other game? Rezogun. Rezogun was really good. That's still one of my favorites. And, of course, I was playing Knack. And I think I started picking up games, you know, shortly after that. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's when I picked up my PS4. And it's funny because I remember the night it happened, uh, I was talking with a group of friends, and I told them that. I explained them the story in short. And one of them was just like, dude, how the fuck does that happen? I was like, what do you mean? Like, I I explained. He's like, no, no. It's like you're telling someone, oh, yeah, I had to go to work and I was going to ride the bus. And as opposed to riding the bus, oh, I accidentally bought a car. I'm like, okay, 
don't judge me. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I've waited an entire generation to tell that story, but here you go on Mario's Minute episode 35. You, you all get to hear that. That's how I encountered my first PlayStation 4. And, and I am happy I bought that. It did help me out with the channel. It did help with quite a lot of content on there. I really got to enjoy the system. Uh, and I did not see another PS4 on sale for another four months. So I am really happy I got it at that point in time because I was correct in there and thinking, hey, if I don't know when, if I don't buy this now, I'm probably not going to be able to get it for a while. And, you know, four months later, it was finally then I was able to readily see them in stores. Um, and it doesn't seem like all that much. And, you know, typically it isn't. But you got to think like the console launched in November and I'm saying I didn't see them regularly in stores until like May of the next year so that was six months you couldn't easily find one uh but yeah you know still in regards to consoles as well too i did want to ask this i did kind of want to pose this question to you all because there's been a little bit of discussion about this and i don't think there's any right answer and i don't think there's any straight answer on this but when exactly does a game console become retro I'm going to ask you all that question, and I kind of want to explain something on mine, and it might be a little bit of a non-answer, because I feel like, in short, I feel like the limitation for a console to become retro is consistently changing every, uh, was it every generation at this point? So, I'm thinking in generation six, this was like the Xbox, the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, when I thought of retro, when I considered something retro, the first thing that came to my mind was cartridges. And I believe that's because all three of the systems that I was playing on that were, you know, the hot new systems at the time, and not the handhelds, I'm talking like the home consoles, the ones I just described, they were all disc-based. They were all DVD-based on there. Uh, and some CDs in the PlayStation 2 sense. But mind you, they were all disc-based. So in my little kid head, I was thinking, oh, anything that's a cartridge is retro. And, you know, stores kind of treated it like that in a way. Like, you know, N64 games are kind of treated like junk. Like, oh, hey, this is this, this old stuff from the 90s. We just got to get rid of it. Uh, but that was only one generation prior. I'd say it would probably be more accurate to say two generations behind. So that's kind of how it's been for me in my head. Things that are two generations behind are going to be retro on there. Because the cartridge thing doesn't necessarily work. If you say, oh, old systems with cartridges are retro, well, or if, first of all, if you say cartridges, cartridge-based systems are retro, well, the Nintendo Switch is a retro, is would be considered retro in that point. And it's not. It's a brand new system. It's technically the last generation. It's eighth generation. <laughs> um, but I certainly would not consider that retro on there. Some people might also say, well, when it stops being manufactured. So I know the PlayStation 2, I believe in 2012, that was discontinued. But we've also seen other systems discontinued earlier. I think several years prior, the original Xbox was discontinued. And at this point, I would consider it retro. But when it was only one generation later, I'd say about halfway into the Xbox 360 generation, the original Xbox was discontinued or even, no, 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 I'm actually, I, the, X, the original Xbox was not manufactured anywhere past like 2005, 2006, something like that. I want to say 2006 just to be safe on there, but I think it was 2005. So at that point, are we saying like, well, okay, as soon as it stops being manufactured, it's retro. 
Because then at that point, the Xbox One X is a retro system. All the Xbox Ones are retro systems at that point. If it stops getting repairs, is it retro? Well, again, that kind of depends on it as well, too. A, a few years prior, uh, you know, the, the PlayStation 2, it, it's gone offline. You cannot get it repaired by Sony. You cannot buy a brand new one anymore, at least from Sony. Like, they're, they're not manufactured at this point. So I'd say the PS2, like, as a platform, like, official, not like homebrew, not modding, but like as an official platform, is dead. And I would consider the PlayStation 2 to be a retro system, as I would consider the GameCube and the Xbox at this point. For anybody who even, you know, if, if they're saying, oh, no, there's no way it's retro, I mean, well, at, at what point is it or is it not? Because these systems came out in 2000 and 2001. They are 19 and 20 year old consoles. They are, they are, they are not young consoles. They're, they're old consoles. They are at this point, they are three generations. We are, we are right now living in generation nine, and these are six generation consoles. And I am kind of pushing that a little bit because, like, I, I'm pushing that example because there's still some people who don't want to give up and say, well, those consoles are not like some people are trying to say, like, you know, those consoles aren't retro. But, you know, they are at that point. Are, are we going to put 20 years on that? Are we going to put 15 years on that? And even so, with the two generation gap, the reason why I kind of started talking with the sixth generation is because the definition of a generation or the time frame has changed as well, too, where if you look back at this. Game consoles, like game console generations, were three, four, maybe five years. At this point, they are about seven years. And it's expected from... Sony started really pushing this, which I'm, I'm glad they did. Uh, Sony started pushing this with the... I believe with the PS3, and then they pushed it onto the PSP, and they retroactively kind of added it to the PS2. But Sony has said any game console that we make... Uh, we are going to support for 10 years, at minimum 10 years, uh, which I would say that is true. You know, PlayStation 2 came out in 2000, and I think it was about 2012, they stopped doing services on it and such, like manufacturing was done there. And a few years later, I want to say it was pretty recent, like 2015, 2016, where the final server, like the, the final online stuff uh, for Final Fantasy XI got deprecated on the PlayStation 2. So it really took that long on there. Um, yeah, the, just just examples like that I'm thinking of. Um, but either way on there, I know, I believe when the PS3 came out, as I said, came out in 2006, and at one point Sony had said, we're going to support the system for at minimum 10 years. Well, we're, we're 14 years into the PS3 right now. But that kind of begs another question. Then it's like, okay, so that's two generations behind. Is it retro? Because it's now a 14-year-old system, but it still has ready internet access. It can still do HDMI, 1080p beautifully. Uh, you can still get online on PlayStation Network. You can go out and get a PS3 right now and hook it up to the internet and make a brand new PSN account and start playing online. You can do all that stuff. To me, <laughs> this is where it gets so money. You all, it gets so muddy there because to me, like, and maybe it's because I'm a little bit distorted because I still regularly use these systems. Like the Xbox 360, the PS3, the Wii, they don't feel like retro systems to me. And that's kind of when I was thinking as well too. I'm like, do we have to change what the scale and what the definition of retro is? Because I will say sixth generation and lower, I have no issue calling that stuff retro. 
Like, if you're going to come up to me and say the original Xbox is a retro system or the PS2 is a retro system, totally. I agree with you on that. But with people saying, hey, the, you know, all, all these other systems here, like the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, the Wii, these are retro systems, I'd kind of question that a little bit. I'd be like, well, hold on, but are they really? And again, we're looking at the facts that these are 14 and 15-year-old consoles. So, so one of those things, maybe in about five years, I'm going to feel a little bit differently because I feel like, you know, the 20-year-old consoles are retro, but the 15-year-old consoles I don't feel like are retro. So maybe that's my definition there. Maybe. And I, I guess I want to know your definition because I guess as I'm musing this out loud, it feels like 20 years at that point. If, if the console is, how about this? I feel like if the console can be a legal adult in the United States, if it is an 18-year-old console, it's probably a retro system at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Because even so, like, you know, let's take the Xbox 360, for example. It's a 15-year-old system. Right now, the generation just started for the Xbox Series X, Generation 9. We have been, it's been confirmed many times uh, that the Series X and the Series S will not have any first, like any exclusive games on them for the first 12 months. So that means we're not going to see any ninth gen exclusive Xbox, uh, Xbox games is what I'm saying there uh, for another year. And then about three, four years into a new, like when a new system comes out, awesome. Everyone's excited. But you don't really get to the good stuff. You don't get to, like, the real good, delicious meal of that generation until maybe about three years in. That's a really good time to hop in. Like, if a new system comes out and you're kind of on the fence, wait about three years. That's when you're going to jump in and there's a lot of good stuff. And at that point, the Xbox 360 will be an 18-year-old system. PS3 and the Wii are going to be 17-year-old systems. So maybe at that point when we're, like, ha about presumably halfway into the ninth generation of systems depending on what we've looked at prior at that point i would probably you know revisit this conversation and say yep those systems are retro seventh generation yep that's count as retro eighth gen is not yet but eighth and ninth gen is current yeah let me know what your thoughts are on that <laughs> so i do have one thing that is uh not gaming related here that i was going to share personally with this uh but but in terms of uh, stuff that has changed up here recently, uh, my prescription a little bit. Now, I don't exactly remember what my old one was versus my new one. Uh, but in short, I have one, I guess, a little secret I've had uh, is that I have had prescription glasses. Now, I don't appear with glasses on camera because honestly, I, I don't wear them most of the time. To me, it started uh, and it was actually pretty late compared to like the rest of my family, but I ended up getting glasses my freshman year of college, near the end of my freshman year, and it was something I noticed, like, I was fine throughout, like, K through 12. However, in college, I started to notice that I was, uh, I was doing computer science that year, and I noticed in one room, particularly, I had issues looking at the screen. Like, it just looked like the projector was not in focus. But then I started noticing it in different classrooms. And then I started noticing that if I sat closer to the screen, I was able to see much better. And at one point in my mind, it finally clicked. I was like, oh, shit, I need glasses. So I remember I was uh, talking with my parents about it at the time. And I was like, hey, uh, I'm having difficulty seeing in class for the first time. I need glasses. 
and it had never come up in like you know the uh at least in the u.s here they would have us take those like eye tests periodically at school i never had issues with that for the most part uh maybe like one i had some issues but it was never even anything that was really bad i was i was always able to see the top rows just fine so and like the smallest text so i ended up going to an eye doctor i got a prescription and he said yeah uh your eyesight's not really that bad like it's you know yeah it's starting to give way uh here's a prescription get some glasses um if and just wear them when you need them and the times i needed them were really when i was in class so if I was having a little bit of difficulty seeing what was at the board or on the projector screen or I was sitting a little too far back, I just reached into my backpack, I pulled out my glasses, and I was able to look at them there. So I rarely wore my glasses because those were the only times I really did so. Uh, a few years ago, I ended up getting another uh, eye test done, and uh, I just noticed, like, you know, if I... If I put on my glasses, I take them off, I put them on, I did notice a difference. Uh, but I was able to get by well enough for the most part. And even so, at that point, because I don't, I, I'm a little bad. I don't, I don't go every year to my eye appointments. I should, don't, I, I need to lead by example. Like, don't do what I do, all right? If you're able to, go to your yearly appointments. But what happened a few years ago, I ended up going to another um, eye test. And I talked with the doctor, and she said, everything looks fine here. Uh, your vision, of course, is getting a little bit worse here. You know, you might want to, if you don't really need the glasses, you don't have to wear them, but you might want to start wearing, wearing them more regularly. Uh, but, you know, it's it's up to you on here. But it was different enough to the point where she said, hey, your old glasses, um, you should, because I asked her if I can use them as a backup. And she was like, I... I wouldn't. Uh, don't use your old glasses. You should get new ones. Uh, your old glasses you shouldn't even use as a backup. I would just recommend you just recycle or get rid of them. Uh, you should not use those anymore at all. Uh, so it was different enough that I had to get a, a whole new pair of glasses, which I did just fine. So it wasn't until this year. And again, it is something that I have noticed for a while. But, you know, I just, you know, I got along fine with it. Uh, but it was this year I started noticing that I was just having a little bit more difficulty seeing things. And the big change for me was a few weeks ago, I was playing uh, South Park, um, the Fractured Butthole DLC on Switch. And I hooked it up to, like, I docked my Switch, I was playing on my TV, and I was sitting there and I was like, this does not look good. Like, this doesn't really, what is wrong here? Because, like, I get the game has to be downgraded on Switch, but, like, the text is kind of messed up and like there's signs I can't really see. And like, there's no, there is no way the game looks this bad just because it's on switch. So just to confirm it, I grabbed my glasses. I put them on. I looked at the TV and I said, Oh shit. <laughs> Yet again, I said, Oh shit. It's not the game's fault. It's my fault. Like granted the, the game does not look the best mind you. It's not that it's South park, but like I can clearly see the downgrades that they had to, you know, get on the switch. Uh, but I put on the glasses and I could, uh, I could see pretty much everything at that point. Right. I could see pretty much everything there. And I'm just like, Oh, 
damn it. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I'm the problem. So I immediately, you know, tried to get an eye examined because I was like, I just want this shit sorted now. And I think it's at the point now I'm going to have to, you know, start wearing glasses more regularly. Uh, but I'm wanting to go with contacts as well, too, and, you know, just have the option between the both of them. Because it was getting to the point where, like, I was even, you know, trying out my glasses in my regular life. And I'm like, this is, yeah, this this is enough of a difference where I really do start need to wearing these. Like, I need, I need to wear these regularly now. I feel the need to do that. So called up an eye doctor. And I did not want to wait like three weeks. So I ended up going to a different one because um, they they just had a different office located elsewhere. And they said, hey, we can get you in here in a few days if you go to this other location. I said, sure, no big deal. Uh, I went there. Thankfully, the difference was here. I, I believe they said some like my prescription really didn't change. But my astigmatism, because I have an astigmatism and I feel like at this point who doesn't. But I have an astigmatism in my right eye. And they said, your astigmatism has gotten worse um, so, you know, here's your prescription, here's what we can do. Now, when it comes to, what the hell was it? Um, when it came to my old pair of glasses, I asked the same thing. I was like, hey, would you recommend I keep these on hand, like as a backup or something? And the doctor, he said, yep, absolutely. Um, if I thought your old pair of glasses was an issue, I would tell you. But right now, uh, no, like I think you should get a new pair, but your old pair, you can certainly keep them around. If you ever need to use them as a backup, they're a perfectly fine backup to have. So that was good news. That was definitely good news to keep on hand. So I end up getting a new pair. My old pair I stashed away somewhere. They're sitting as a backup just in case anything happens with my new pair. Uh, the cool thing is with this new pair of glasses as well too, uh, I end up paying a little bit more. I got like this blue blocking technology in here, which I've talked about in videos before. Uh, I am a big believer in blue lights are evil and they keep you up at night and they mess with your sleep schedule and um, just like any type of blue blue light you get from screens really and it, they cause eye strain as well too so I have like flux or nightlight enabled or installed on any device I can at that point now my glasses the cool thing is you put this filter on and you really can't even notice it like if you actually like look and compare your glasses will be like a tiny bit uh, just a tiny bit like tinted just slightly yellow just ever so slightly but the cool thing is uh i ordered from a zenny optical that was a site i used and they it came with a free uh laser pointer a blue laser pointer so not only now if you have a cat you can entertain them uh but the cool thing is you can actually use that laser pointer to demonstrate to people and show hey this is how the blue light uh the blue blocking technology on my glasses works and it quite literally just blocks out blue lights like it does not allow it to shine through which is really cool so uh i got that that's great i did mention the contacts as well too because i'm one of those people i have never worn contacts uh, i've never worn the decorative ones i've never gotten the prescription ones uh but i did say i was like you know i'm definitely getting glasses at minimum because i feel like i need those but I do feel like most of the time for day to day, I do want to wear contacts. And yeah, I can get used to glasses. And I know that you shouldn't wear contacts all the time. I've actually been practicing that. So, um, you know, just one or two days a week, I don't wear contacts. I just wear glasses as opposed to contacts. But um, even though I can get used to this, I'd rather not have the lens. I would rather just have, I'd rather not see through a lens perfectly. I'd rather just have like everything be looking good. And my options for that would be, you know, either contacts or uh, LASIK surgery, which I, that's something I could probably do in the future, but I'm not going to do now at this point. Uh, but either way, 
I am happy to say I was able to, you know, get contacts, the place I went to. They were really cool. They kind of do a consultation with you. They sit down with you and they had me put in, put contacts into my eyes three times. And it was, you know, like it, it was hard doing it at first, but now at this point I'm a lot better with it. Like I can put like with, within two minutes, I can get my, a pair of contacts in and I'm good. I'm still pretty new. It's just been about a week at this point. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm able to do at this point now. So I'm happy with that. Uh, I am still on like the trials right now. I do need to go for a checkup here soon ish. And then hopefully I can get my prescription and actually get like a set of lin like contact lenses. I'm going with the dailies. Uh, I do know that there are the harder lenses and such, the ones that you can, I guess, wear like maybe like monthly or even weekly or so. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do the dailies. And the nice thing is, because I was even sitting there, I was like telling the assistant who was helping me, I said, yeah, I'm kind of trying to do this here because um, I just kind of want to get used to it. Uh, I've blocked it off. So like I'm not appearing in any videos for a bit, at least that that was in my head. I didn't say that out loud, but like that was my logical thing. But I said like, yeah, I'm not really doing anything like super important. I'm not going out anywhere. I do know that I'm going to have to adjust these and I'm probably going to look like I'm crying for a week straight. And she was laughing. She's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, and like truly, at least for me, I'm blessed enough to the point where like when I put in my daily contact lenses, I don't feel those things. Um, they're super comfortable for me. They don't bug me. I, I'm, I'm all good. Like I really don't have any issues with them. Uh, one night already, one night I almost slept in them. I almost did. I have not done it yet, thankfully. Uh, but I was like in bed, ready to get to bed, and I'm like, oh shit, I got my contact lenses in. So I had to rip them out real quick, and not literally. I had to, you know, like gently take them out. But uh, now I had to remove my contacts, and then I went to sleep. But they're like that comfortable to me. I really don't notice them. From what I have heard, the harder contacts are more noticeable and you have to adjust. But I mean, I was telling people as well, too. I said, like, I remember when I was in school and I had classmates who they had glasses and they used glasses for years and then they wanted to switch to contacts. And you knew because not only they stopped showing up in glasses, but when they were transitioning from glasses to contacts, they looked like they were crying for a week straight. Like they were teary eyed. Their eyes were super red and irritated. And then after a week, it was fine. So that's what I was expecting. So I was completely shocked when I did not, not have that experience at all, especially as someone who has never worn contacts because I was coming in like completely new to this. Uh, but so far, like contact lenses have worked super well for me. I've been happy with them. And again, my practice has just been, you know, I've been doing the dailies. I've been okay with those ones. And I am trying to make it a point, you know, just on a weekly basis, at minimum one day a week, I do not wear contacts at all. I just wear my glasses and I've been okay with that. Because I've also been having to get used to wearing glasses as well too. Like today, actually, as I'm recording this right now, uh, today's the first day where I have like ever, ever, ever just worn glasses the entire day. Like aside from like this morning, this morning I did decide to walk around. Uh, like I took my dog Lily out. I walked her outside, uh, and I wasn't wearing glasses or contacts just cause I wanted to see the difference after wearing them for a bit. Uh, and everything was a lot blurrier. <laughs> um, it's one of those things too. I haven't, you know, I guess when you have the glasses on, because you can take your, your glasses on and off super quick, so you can really notice a contrast between vision on there. Like, oh, wow, this is all the detail I've been missing. 
And when it comes to contacts, because I don't have anything physically on my face, I don't notice a difference. So it's like, this is how it goes. I will put my contacts in and I'm like, oh, well, there's eh, that's not really that much of a difference. Okay. And then I start like, for example, I take my dog out, I start walking outside and I can effortlessly read signs. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, that's that store. There's that store. That's Wait a minute, I couldn't read any of these before. So it's very much a surreal moment of like, I can't, I couldn't do this stuff, and now I can. And honestly, it feels a little bit like a superpower, and it feels like I've been missing a lot of stuff, and it also feels like I'm seeing life in HD. And partially because of that too, I feel like maybe that's even why I've preferred to play in handheld mode on my Switch for a while. Like, what I've been doing for a while, and I've just been doing it because it was comfy, but, like, I'd be, like, laying down on my couch, playing my Switch in handheld mode, and there's, like, something playing on the TV, whether it be, like, music or a random YouTube video or a random TV show or a movie or something. That's what I've been doing. But recently, since I, you know, got my contacts and got my glasses... I've actually been playing stuff on my TV because I can truly now appreciate it for how damn good it looks. And then ironically enough, I've started one of the games I was actually firing up here, which I'll talk later on about um, Paratopic. Yeah, that I'll give that little mention there. Um, it's a really shitty looking game and it's done like that on purpose. And I'm just kind of laughing at that. Like I was like, Wow, I got like superhero vision at this point now, it feels like, and I'm using it on like one of the shittiest looking games possible. <laughs> so that that that's been my glasses experience so far. It's been it, it's been a fun time for sure. Uh what can I recommend? Get your vision checked. Shit's no joke, and you'll be surprised at what you've been missing in life. And if anybody has any tips on glasses or contacts or both, please let me know. I'm I'm new to this as well too, so I I'd love to know more about it. Now, I do have something else. You know, we're going to go over an hour in this episode. I'm just going to say screw. We're going to go over an hour uh, because I have some game shop stories I want to share before we get into the final parts of this. So in case people do not know, this is something that I've been sharing on my uh, solo episodes here. For anyone who does not know, I worked at a local video game shop for about two and a half years from ages 16 to 18, uh, and I left because I went to college. Uh, but I had a lot of good times, a lot of bad times there, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade my time there. Uh, I definitely learned a lot. I feel like I matured as well, too, you know, just as a teen at that point. So it really helped out. Even to this day, that experience still helps out, and that was really important, having that retail experience, however bad retail might be. Learned a lot about people, learned a lot about myself. You know what? We'll just get into the stories here, right? So, this technically happened before I was working at the shop. Uh, but there was a PlayStation, a little PS3 game people might know of by the name of Infamous. Now, it wasn't all too uncommon for our shop to get stuff that was sourced from, how do I say, places that we couldn't fully verify. What I mean by that is, I am sure that our shop bought stolen equipment and stolen games. I, I have no doubt. The thing is, we, we couldn't prove that. Uh, you bring the stuff in, we price it out to you, we assume that it is your own hardware and software, and then if we didn't do this for software, well, I guess for software, this is what we had to do, like any games, uh, we had to make you uh, sign just sign the receipt that says, hey, uh, this is my stuff, this is my property, and I'm going to be signing it over to these people in exchange for money or credit. 
and you sign it and you know we do the exchange uh you get the money or the credit i get the games when it came to anything that had a serial number so any type of hardware any type of game consoles anything that had a serial number we did go one step further where we would take your driver's license and we would document the driver's license number and such in our system so when you did sign that same thing, if a game console was ever was ever stolen, like, you know, police came and said, hey, there was an Xbox 360 that was stolen. It has this serial number. Uh, we want to know if it's in your store or if it came through. We could simply look through our inventory, see if the console with that serial number had come through. If it had come through, we can match it up to when the purchase record was and we can reverse and, you know, give that over to the authorities. I'm not saying that never happened, but at least with any of the stuff I dealt with, I never had to deal with any of that. Um, so we had those precautions in place. I never had to go through them, thankfully, on there. However, again, going back to this, I have no doubt that we no doubt bought in stolen software and stolen hardware. But if you don't come out and straight up say that it is stolen, like if someone comes up to me, and is just like, hey, I just stole this Xbox. Will you buy it? I'm going to say, hell no, get out of my store. If you don't leave, I'm going to call the police. Um, but if they don't say anything, if they say that it's theirs and they sign and, and they sign the rights away to that hardware or software, there's there's nothing that I'm going to do on that. Uh, <laughs> so that is a very long way of saying uh, apparently our store somehow one way or another we end up getting in two copies of the game infamous about two or two and a half weeks early now i don't know where they came from i don't know how exactly they came through i just know of the story which my manager had told and from what i recall on there apparently there was a guy who just came through and he had two copies of this game infamous and he just came in he's like Hey, uh, how much can you give me for these? And we didn't even give him like a whole ton. We we gave him like the maximum amount because games were selling for $60, of course. And I think we gave him, we offered him something like 25 cash or like 30, 35 trade. And, you know, for a game that is two weeks out of launch, you can easily sell that for much more. You could go on a Craigslist. You can go somewhere else. You could sell that for, for at minimum $100, right? I know people did it. With Infamous, I'm sure you could pull that off. But I know people were doing that with uh, like with No Man's Sky. Uh, I know that was selling for quite a bit of money. The Call of Duty games, uh, if people can get a hold of those early, they, they sell for a decent amount for sure. And as it gets close to release, it dips down. So like, for example... Uh, like from what I knew, at least I didn't track it recently, but like back in the day on like the Xbox 360, um, if you can get a hold of a copy of Call of Duty like two weeks in advance, people were paying hundreds of dollars for that game. Even if people could get uh, a game like a Call of Duty game just two or three days before the release date, like the weekend, because the game comes out on Tuesday, if they can get it that weekend, sometimes people would be willing to pay 80, 90, 100 dollars for that $60 game. So that was kind of the red flag there. We're like, pretty much we offered him like our, our standard rate on there. It was like, hey, we'll give you, because we would turn around and sell it for $50, I want to say. Because GameStop sold their used games. They sold a brand new game for 60 the used copy for 55 We sold ours for 50 So because we sold ours for 50 we would give you 25 cash or 30 trade. I believe that's what it was. So the guy immediately said, yo, I'll take the cash. And, you know, we took the two copies of Infamous, gave him the 50 bucks, he ran off, never saw him again. Thankfully, 
there wasn't too much commotion that came from that because uh my manager he just had these two he's like uh okay i got these games two weeks early i guess i'll just put them out so he put them out and we know where both copies went to both those copies went to some of our mutual friends who came into the store pretty regularly just to hang out and talk and stuff and they bought things as well too uh and they both had ps3s one of them came in he's just like oh shit infamous what you guys have this already and we said yeah uh you some some guy brought it in so he grabbed a copy like immediately and then you know we made even less money there because we gave our friend a discount so he bought one second friend came in he's like oh wow infamous i have this on pre-order what how do you guys get it and we're like somebody came in and sold it it's as easy as that so he picked up that second copy and said i've I'll clear this out for you. So we sold that very fast and it was very low key, I guess not, not even like on purpose, nothing nefarious. It's just, we quite literally got two copies of this game, two or two and a half weeks in advance. And then coincidentally, two of our personal friends came in at the right time and the right place and picked it up. So it's kind of one of those things <laughs> nobody really knew about it. Um, one thing that was a little cooler that we did have on display was a connect and i don't even think the guy was really supposed to do this but i'll go ahead and get into it so we had another friend who was a regular who came in who was always playing on the xbox 360 and now some people if they were a part of this preview program maybe they can elaborate a little bit more maybe some people might say no you had to do this or this happened and i'm just gonna say here do not shoot the messenger i'm just gonna tell you what he told me so there was one day um he called me up like this guy he called me up and he was like hey what what's up i'm i'm over at the game shop i was like oh cool i'm not and he's like hey well okay i'm, I'm a little disappointed uh i i wanted to come in i actually brought in my xbox because i was going to show you all something and i asked what it was he's like oh i'm i'm actually a, a part of the new dashboard update it's like oh okay how is it he said it's very white it is very white it's for that connect update and i asked how he got into it and he said well i I play a lot of Xbox. I'm on the Xbox 360 a lot. And I just got prompted for an update one day. And my console looked way different. And then I checked my email. And my email said that I had been automatically enrolled in this this preview update program thing. And it's for the Connect. And I was like, wait, wait, it's for the Connect? And he said, yeah. And I asked if he had it. He's like, nope, I don't have it yet. Um, it is in the mail. They are automatically sending it to me. So I'm going to be getting it here soon. Uh, but yeah, I'm already in the dashboard and I, the connect's not coming out for another like two and a half months, but they're sending it to me. So it was cool because we, we knew about the connect from him because he, he kept true to his word. He had that, that connect dashboard beta update, and then he ended up getting the connect in the mail and he didn't have the slim. He had, I don't even think they were out at that point. I think this, I don't remember actually. Yeah, I actually don't really remember the timeline there, but he had the the Fat 360. So he ended up getting the Connect, and it came with one of those AC adapters where you had to plug the USB part of the Connect into the adapter. So you had to power up the Connect and then hook it up to a regular USB port on your Fat 360. Uh, but he was coming in and telling us about it and telling us about all the cool little intricate things and all that stuff. And I think the console, not the console, I think the Connect was selling for like 150 bucks, something like that. Like brand new, it was selling for $150, if I remember correctly. So he had gotten to use it for about two months or so. And then like he regularly did, he he needed money. 
So he kind of did this regular thing where like he would like sell us a bunch of his stuff, but he'd buy it right back. He never bought Bat the Connect though. I think it was very much a thing. He was just like, cool, I got this free hardware. I got to use it for like two months. I'm kind of bored and I really need money. So he came and he sold it to us. So in the open market, we had it in our display case and everything. We were selling the Xbox 360 Connect about a week before it launched. Uh, now I remember when we got it, my manager had called me up. He's like, dude, we got a connect in. I was like, wait, what, what are you talking about? We got one. How do we get it? He's like, Oh, this dude, our, our mutual friend. He said, yeah, he sold his, he needed money. So he sold it. And I was asking about, it. he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if we can sell it, but like, you know, I, I'm, I'm selling it for like $125. Um, it's complete. I put it in the case there and I asked if anyone's bought it. He's like, no, we're just getting a ton of questions about it. And ironically enough, even though we had this connect, like the, the, the hot new thing that everyone was talking about at the time, we had it discounted a week early. We had a lot of people that were coming through and were just, they would see it in the case. They asked about it or they freaked out seeing that we had the connect and they thought it was really cool. But ironically enough, we did not sell it until the day it released. So, I mean, we had it for a week. We sold it successfully, but anybody could have come in and got it early. But no, people were more just like fielding questions and like looking at it in awe of like, oh, it's really cool. But the day that it officially released to the masses, that's when we finally sold it. <laughs> but for, for a bit, for a bit, we did have a connect earlier than many other shops. Uh, maybe. We were at least selling it earlier than any other shop in the area, and we couldn't sell it until the day it released, which I, I thought was a little funny. Not by any restriction, just that for some reason nobody wanted to buy a Connect early. On discount, mind you, because we were selling it for like 125 as opposed to 150 since it was used. So, that's how that went there. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have one other story, but I, th I think I'm going to save it for... Uh, for for another month here so it's all good it's all good now i do want to get into this topic and talk about what games i've been playing and then we'll wrap up i think that sounds pretty good now so this is just something i cover at the end of every episode where i talk about whatever the hell i'm playing so like i said earlier uh i was playing the fractured but whole i have to be very careful with saying that uh on the switch now I had ended up picking up this game on PS4 initially. I wasn't really playing my PS4 much at the time, so I never finished it there. But I picked it up again on Switch about a year ago, and I finished it. No, two years ago, excuse me. I finished it. I absolutely loved it, thought it was hilarious. Uh, my opinion, though, the first South Park game, the RPGs, uh, the Stick of Truth, the first one has much better writing, is funnier, has a better story, but the combat in the second one is better. Um, and I still stick true to that, but I decided to revisit this because I end up picking up the DLC. The DLC went on sale and it was like nine or 10 bucks. And I said, okay, sure. And I've never played through it. So there's three pieces of DLC. One of them is just pretty much just a combat and boss rush mode. And I had no interest in that. I'm like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this. Uh, but the other two are actually story-based, which I thought were absolutely hilarious. And I will say this. If you have that game and you have the DLC or you're thinking of picking up the DLC, totally worth it, in my opinion. I was very happy with it. I think I even have the DLC on PS4 as well because I got, like, the edition that comes with, like, the Coon hat and it comes with the Season Pass and it comes with the Stick of Truth. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't play through it on there. So the DLC on the Fractured Butthole was absolutely awesome. Cannot recommend that enough. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of South Park, though, because I had I had finished the game 
two years ago. And then I went back to the DLC. But I was in a South Park mood. I'm like, you know, I want to play through the Stick of Truth again. That was like one of my favorite games. Like that, I loved that game. So I didn't feel like I have it on 360, but I was like, I don't want to play it on 360 or Xbox One. And I didn't want to pick it up on, I would have rather played it on Switch because I really like the Switch. But I was like, I don't want to pay 30 bucks for this either. But wait, I have it on PS4 because technically I got it through this uh, the Fractured Butthole. I got it through the Special Edition on there. So I fired it up on PS4. And I will say the PS4 port is disappointing in a few different ways. Uh, one of them is the cutscenes look really bad. And I can say that now. I can say that because I got the proper eyesight going on. The cutscenes look really bad. They are awfully compressed. There is really bad artifacting going on there, which shocked me, to say the least, because I thought they were rendered in real time in some way, because your character that you fully customize is put in there. And I notice, rarely cutscenes look okay, but most of the time they look pretty bad. And it has this one really weird effect where everything will look bad on the cutscene, except your character looks fine. And I have a feeling, I don't have the game data in front of me, but just the way that it's handled there, I have a feeling that the cutscenes are pre-rendered and they kind of just hot patch your custom character and impose him onto the cutscene. I I think that's kind of dumb. It didn't look good. I wasn't really happy with that, but okay. Um, it has other little, like, the PS4 port is just weird because it has other little, like, performance issues as well, too, where, like, Combat will kind of stutter and such, and because the combat on the Stick of Truth is much more timing-reliant and timing-based, that really causes issues on there, too, which I was not super happy with either. I wasn't too impressed with that. Uh, the last thing that I was running into was, surprisingly, the game soft-locked on me, which that never happened on the 360 version. So the game soft-locked on me one time, I had to close out the game, reopen it, it was okay, but just like little issues like that that I did not have on the 360 or even, shit, I have the game on PC, Stick of Truth, because I loved it. The PC version was great, um, but the 360 version, that's the one I'd finished prior, and I didn't I didn't have any of those issues. So that was kind of strange. I could just tell where they cut corners, and I was disappointed with it because it is one of my favorite games ever. Uh, but I can say it still holds up extremely well. Still absolutely love it. Still a great game. Uh, I was... I was just howling like a banshee at some points. I was just laughing so hard. Uh, this time, though, I did not cry. Now, some people might be thinking, well, what is it? It's, sad. it's not a sad game. It's just the first time I played through it, I was laughing so hard playing the game that I cried at least once playing the game because I was laughing so hard. Uh, the game is still hilarious, and it still got me at many moments. Like I was just, just dying laughing. But I did not cry this time around, so uh, that's a little bit of a plus. The The combat, though, I've grown to love it. It's very much one of those games where, especially if you're coming from the newer South Park game to the older one, you do miss the combat at first. But then once you get into it, once you get like an hour in, you really learn to enjoy it again. So you get used to it. I'm not saying that it's good by any means. It's okay for what it is there. It is slow. Uh, but you know what? If, if they wanted to do a remaster of that, take the Stick of Truth, like just the base game there, take the combat from the Fractured Butthole, put it into the Stick of Truth, maybe make some Stick of Truth DLC, yo, you got my $60. Or I guess since we're in a new gen, you got my $70 right there. I'll buy that all over again, all right? Because I, I love that game. 
another game I did pick up uh, as well, too, is uh, Paratopic. So this is the game where I was talking about where I was like, wow, you know, I have like, I'm now gifted with a vision and I'm looking at like the worst game possible. This is another game that's on Switch. I don't really want to describe it all that much because it's very much a game. It's best if you go into it blind. Uh, but you start off this game. It is made to look like an old shitty PlayStation 1 game. And I just, I love that aesthetic so much. Like Paratopic has that. Uh, there's another game, Vaccine, that has that. Uh, back in 1995 is another game like that. And the problem is with these types of games, I love the aesthetic of them, but the games typically aren't very good. Uh, but Paratopic is short enough and mysterious enough that I really liked it. It is, without a doubt, the most unnerving game I have played this year. And it's not supposed to be like a horror game or like something crazy like that, but... Uh, it's very suspenseful. It can be spooky at times. I really don't want to spoil it all that much, uh, but that's not the main focus of it. But it's extremely unsettling when you're playing through it. It also doesn't overstate its welcome because it's a type of game where it even tells you at the beginning, this game does not save. You have to play in one sitting. So you can finish it within 30 minutes. And it's very much designed that you're supposed to go back and revisit it and replay it. So I am probably going to replay it a few more times, but I did finish it one time. I thought it was really neat. I thought it was interesting. I still have many questions. So I will be going back to it. But Paratopic on, uh, on Switch, that's what I picked up. And actually speaking of my Switch, let me grab it as well to see what else I've been playing here. I decided to, I still need to actually like play, like finish this game. But right now, the other stuff I'm playing is like, I'm playing Catherine right now. I picked up Murder by Numbers. I'm playing that. I actually went back to Animal Crossing because one of my friends just got a, uh, she got a Switch. She got Animal Crossing. We've been playing that together and like doing the, uh, the stock market on there. Cloudpunk, I also just picked up. I played a little bit of that. And uh, Ring Fit Adventure, I am still regularly playing that. There's also one final game that I was starting to replay, Valhalla. I talked about it before. Uh, I like this game. I really do. Uh, I was trying to replay it. But my problem was I was playing it before I went to bed. So I'd get like five minutes in and then I'd fall asleep. Not to say that it's a boring game. It's just that's what was happening. However, I, I do have something I'm going to do, or what, uh, myself and one of my best friends were going to be doing this. Uh, the game takes place in December and goes into January, I believe. So maybe some slight spoilers are on the timeline. But technically, the game starts on December 9th. So I reach out to one of my friends who's loving the game. I was like, hey, do you want to replay this day by day with me? Like, as in, like, you and I will play this, like, like we'll play it on our own time, but we'll play it day by day. So technically, the first day of this game starts December 9th. So starting this uh, this coming December, I have it on my calendar, December 9th, I'm going to start playing this game. I'm going to start with day one of the, the uh, prologue, and I'm just going to go one day at a time. So I will be playing it alongside every single day until I finish the game again, just because I want to do that. So that's going to be a, a fun time. I've deferred that on purpose, but you know I think I'm going to enjoy that a bit. And I wonder what Animal Crossing is going to be doing for that too. Yeah, we'll see. Either way, uh, we've gone a little bit over an hour, but it's all good. I, I had fun talking with you all, hanging out, sharing stories. Hopefully you all enjoy the same thing. And, you know, I've already had a few calls to action on here. You know, I, I asked about contacts and glasses tips. Uh, I asked about the retro stuff, but I, I need to give you all a keyword, you know, because if you want to answer that stuff, please do. Because like the glasses thing, that would help me out. Uh, the retro thing, I'm interested in your opinions, but we need a keyword. 
So how about this? How about the word coffee? If you comment on the YouTube upload of this episode using the keyword coffee, I will know you made it until the end. If you want to tell me how much you love coffee, how much you hate coffee, how much you maybe hate it when you drink coffee a little bit too late in the afternoon or the evening and then you're up all night, or maybe coffee just doesn't affect you at all, or even if you just leave the word coffee in a comment, that will let me know that you made it to the end of this video. And if you're listening to the audio version, you're not left out either. Come on over to the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, find episode 35 of Mario's Minute, and leave keyword coffee in your comment. And if you say the word coffee, I will know that you made it to the end. Anyways, that's about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. I hope you all have a enjoyable time, a safe time. Uh, you stay warm out there. To anybody who is in the United States, I know to my Canadian friends, I'm saying this quite late, but happy late Thanksgiving. I know that was <laughs> October 12th, from if my calendar is correct. So, you know, we're, we're over a month past on that. But for anybody who's in the United States, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. For anybody who's going to be indulging in Black Friday, Stay inside, do all your shit online, all right? Black Friday shopping, it's been going on for like, it happens for like a month at this point, okay? Just be safe, do it online. For anybody who's going to be doing the Thanksgiving thing, I hope you have a nice time. I hope you all stay safe. Hope you all exercise caution as well, too, because that's what we need to do here. Yeah. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next month.